0: What's up everybody welcome to another episode of the fitness oracle today we've got a special uh episode for you guys to dig your teeth into that's quite a long one this one um today we sat down with dr jordana Clairfield henry from health haven clinic she specializes in chiropractic she's a chiropractic doctor and uh she specializes in helping people not just heal only their physical injuries but also heals their minds in the process and we go into a lot of a lot of deep and interesting topics when it came to um you know traditional Chinese medicine to chiropractic uh practices and we talked about the health and wellness aspect of everything we talked about how chiropractic uh, practices and how it relates to meridians. Uh, we talked about the mind-body connection. We talked the import- the, about the importance of community and we talked about so much more. I mean, it took a while for me to edit this because uh, there was just so, many t- so much gold, golden nuggets as usual to pick through. And um, I really hope that you guys enjoyed this episode. Uh, just before we click, uh, get you into the episode, uh, I just want to ask you guys if you guys are okay with the yo yo effects of diets that just simply don't work. Uh, if you're not, we have created a foolproof 12 week system that will not only help you shed the weight that you've gained over COVID, but we give you that blueprint, we give you a specific blueprint so that you can follow and will help you move into a slimmer-looking you and help you keep it off. The best part is that we focus so heavily on the mindset aspect of your transformation that will help you love the body that you're going to get. And this is the biggest part that most trainers don't do. And this is what separates us From everyone else, is this whole heavy, heavy mindset aspect? So, what do you get? You get a 12 week workout guide. You get a proven nutritional guideline. You get the full master key system, one on one support with me, a community of others that are there to support you and cheer you on, and so much more. So, don't wake anymore. Don't wait any longer. Stop making excuses. Take control of the one thing that you can control yourself and sign up to the 12-week Fat Sizzler. Click the link below in the show notes and let's have a talk. You have nothing to lose and you have everything to gain. So I hope you, I really hope that you enjoy this episode. And as always, don't forget to subscribe if you enjoy doing, if you enjoy what we're doing with the Fitness Oracle, helping improve men's mental health. Hit the bell to be notified when we, when you, when we release a new episode. And if you do know somebody who is suffering from mental health issues, please share this with them as it may help them find a pathway to better themselves and get out of whatever funk that they're in. And if you're listening to iTunes, if you're listening to this on iTunes, uh, Spotify, uh, Stitcher google podcast please give us a five-star rating as that will help us improve our our status and our ratings and all that all the good stuff and uh, be exposed to more people so that it can also help them and also please 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 do whether you're watching this on youtube or rumble or listening to this on itunes spotify stitcher google podcast please love us please leave us a review um Good or bad doesn't make a difference. We're we're good with everything. Anyways, I hope you guys enjoyed the show. And I will see you guys with the next episode when we release it on Sunday.
1: There's two scenarios. One is I didn't do I didn't do my job a hundred percent there. But you really have to give patients a good idea of how long it might take to recover and explain healing because a lot of people think, oh, I'm going to go see that physio and they're going to do that magical tweak and then I'm going to be better. Or same thing, I'm going to go to the chiropractor and going to get that one adjustment and voila, I'm better. But it doesn't usually work like that. If your pain is interrupting your sleep, then medicate the pain, put the bandaid on, take care of that pain because the sleep is far more important than taking a drug for a couple of days that you if you don't want to put chemicals in your body, and there's a lot of people out there who like, need want to be all natural and they don't feel comfortable putting some of those chemicals in their body but i always tell people if you if you're gonna lose out on sleep i'd rather you take your medicine for a couple days take that advil or or something even stronger whatever for a couple days to get the sleep in because your body's going to heal better what if it can sleep right all friction so you know our joint a joint is where two bones come together okay so people mistaken that noise, that cracking noise, they think those are bones banging against each other. Okay. And when the idea of bones banging against each other creates friction, of course, you're going to wear and tear them and you're going to create arthritis. Um, but that's not what cracking is. First of all, it's just, it's the illusion because that sound, and I don't know why the universe or God or whatever, our creator of, whomever he or she may be or it may be I don't know why they chose that noise because it freaks people out in fact it freaks me out I I hate when people crack their knuckles I'm like oh stop it but I'm okay when I crack other people's backs and make noises um
0: Welcome to the Fitness Oracle, where we have real conversations with real people, just like you, with real stories, just like yours. And this is one of their stories. I am your host, John Katsavos. My guest today is Dr. Jordana Clairfield-Henry from Health Haven Clinic. Dr. Jordana has been a chiropractor for 16 years. In March 2020, she opened her dream multidisciplinary practice in Toronto called Health Haven, She's a mother of two beautiful boys with a husband, Sean Cooper and Hudson. Those are the two boys. She loves to sing and dance with a wonderful group of people. She puts on a show once or twice a year to raise money for great causes like cancer research and mental health. She loves helping people not only in their physical injuries, but also heal their minds. Dr. Georgiana. Welcome to the show.
1: Thanks for having me.
0: Thanks for coming on. Uh, You're the first chiropractor that I've had on this show. So welcome.
1: Fantastic. Good.
0: (laughs) So how is, uh, I know we're opening, we opened up yesterday. Uh, The time of the recording of this is Saturday. We opened up on Friday, July 16th. So how's opening up going
1: well, I mean, um, as a health um, registered healthcare practitioners, which chiropractic is part of that, have been allowed to be open since after the initial first three months shutdown. So, like, we were shut down. I basically opened my clinic March 1st, 2020, and we were shut down March 14th, 2020. So, I had two weeks, and then we had to shut down, and we were basically shut down. Um, until mid-June. They didn't give us much notice though so it took me a few weeks to get stuff together and make sure everything was safe and set up for proper COVID protocols. We really opened July 2020 and uh, we have been allowed to be open since with proper PPE and and uh, made sure, making sure the schedule was such that there's never too many people so we can maintain social distancing and all that. So I've actually been very lucky that we've been able to be open. So the the more opening up that happened uh, yesterday, I think just maybe allows people to feel a lot more comfortable. We still have a lot of comfort level to get through, <laughs> I think. Yeah. Um, But it's nice that I have two gyms pretty much right across the street from the clinic and they can see in. So I'm really excited that there's going to be people in those places who are doing things that may be getting injuries and needing help so that we're right there and they can see us.
0: (laughs) That's awesome. Uh, It's great to hear that you weren't closed the second time around. I know a lot of people uh, lost a lot because of that second shutdown.
1: Sure. There was like, so there are a few healthcare positions out there, like osteopaths and a few different kinds of massage that are not registered. And so those people really were shut down. And they, so I had one or two in my clinic that were not allowed to practice until yesterday. Uh, So that's good. We have a yoga, a therapeutic. Yoga teacher who does like personalized yoga for injury prevention and and so she was not allowed to practice this entire time because it's a new sort of a new version and not registered under the Healthcare Practitioners Act. Okay. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Some sort of us were allowed, but I was allowed, which is good. And uh of course, there was a huge impact on business and a lot of people were not comfortable coming in unless they were in a lot of pain and the pain outweighed their fear so
0: yeah well it's always it's always good like like I said like it's always good that you know we are open again which is great and now that we are open people are going to start needing uh to find you know different forms of healing for themselves so uh I was doing a little digging this morning on your on your website and you got a lot of great blog posts and we're we're hoping to dig into a little bit a a couple of them uh one was uh how does somebody find the right wellness practitioner so how does somebody go about that because it's like it, it seems like a like a tsunami of wellness practitioners out there
1: there are so many options out there um well, I, I mean, I often ask my patients that, like, what what brought you to me? Um, I have been in business for 16 years personally, like uh, multiple different locations. But uh, most people, I think at this point in my career, find me through referral. So their mom, their dad, their brother, their sister, their best friend will say, oh, I, I see this person and she's helped me so much with what xyz and you should try her out so i mean when you get to that point that that's that's the best way to find your healthcare practitioners to ask the people that you know who've had similar experiences to you Uh, another great way to do it i mean um first of all i think picking a clinic like like my clinic or there i mean there's a million out there in 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 North America, the multidisciplinary clinic is a great place to go because you can maybe, maybe you've heard of like physiotherapy is usually, I think, where people go first uh, when they need some kind of physical help because that's just the most well known and understood practice. And I think chiropractic would be second after that. But then there's so many other things osteopaths and acupuncturists and, uh, very specialized physios and specialized chiros so like uh, to find a clinic where you have access to multiple practitioners that way when you try somebody and if it doesn't work for you then you can you know sort of move on to someone else and even with the help of that healthcare practitioner saying okay well this worked let's say it got me 50% better, but now I don't know what to do. And it it seems to have stalled out then like, I'll know the people working in the clinic with me. And so I can say, Oh, you know what, acupuncture is really great at this one thing that you're you're lacking here. So let's, let's try that for a while. And then um, so that that's a good way. Um, I think if you're going to go to your medical doctor or general practitioner um, sometimes they've got lots of referral people but I suggest like if you have some kind of physical type injury to get to a more specific doctor like to go to a sports injury uh, sports medical medicine specialist um, in there because they usually have lots of different practitioners working with them and connected to them and they might also know better because our GPs are just they, you know, they take care of so much stuff that they have like such a wide, broad knowledge. They don't really have the skills to to diagnose specific like things that you're gonna see hands-on practitioners for. So um, their answer is usually here's take some medicine and and go see a physio, but yeah, so that's good. And then yeah, of course, research online is also helpful too. These days, there's so much information there.
0: Yeah, there is. Um.
1: And then the other thing I really find too is when you see like a chiropractor, um, I mean, there's so many different styles of chiropractic out there. Sorry, my son just walked in the door. (laughs) Um, There's so many different styles of chiropractors and what they treat and what they specialize in that if you go to see one and it's not your cup of tea, that person, their personality doesn't match or how they treated you is not a lot of people sort of go, oh, well, then chiropractic isn't good for me. But I don't think that's the right mind space to be in, right? If you, if you go to a dentist, you don't like your dentist, you don't just stop going to the dentist for the rest of your life, right? So it's really good to try other practitioners, like say, another chiropractor that might have a different style from what your the one you saw was and, and try different ones, or like, you know, if you have a more sports injury related issue, then you want to maybe go to a clinic that specializes in treating people with sports injuries or versus if you're looking for care when you're pregnant, which is something I specialize in. Um, so you want to see a chiropractor who has lots of experience in that and can explain to you, okay, well, why would I see a chiropractor when I'm pregnant? Because there's lots of good reasons to do that. <laughs> right. So yeah, I think not giving up and advocating for yourself. And also, yeah, vocalizing is very important. A lot of people get really nervous to tell a practitioner they didn't like what they did. And I I try and communicate very clearly. If there was something you didn't like about what I did, please let me know. Because I have like 15 different ways of treating that area of the body. So don't, don't just take what I give you And then that's it. If you didn't have a good experience, let me know, because I can probably figure out a way to treat you in a way that will be more make you more happy, I guess, or feel better.
0: Do you find that like uh, with people that quit on 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 the practitioner, uh, do you find that it's like they give up too early?
1: Yes, Uh, there is uh, there's two ways that happens. One is. Uh, I'll just take from personal experience. So what I find is there's two scenarios. One is I didn't do I didn't do my job 100% there. We really have to give patients a good idea of how long it might take to recover and explain healing because a lot of people think oh I'm going to go see that physio and they're going to do that magical tweak and then I'm going to be better or same thing. I'm going to go to the chiropractor and we can get that one adjustment and voila, I'm better, but it doesn't usually work like that. Injury doesn't happen in an instance, but a lot of people feel pain in an instance. So it's like they're doing a deadlift and they've done a hundred deadlifts and that 99th deadlift is what hurts them. And so they don't, they forget that they It took 99 to cause the problem, right? And a lot of people forget that. We do, we seem to think, oh, I woke up with neck pain, but really you've probably been doing things. You have a bad pillow. You've been sitting on the phone like this. You've been doing all these little micro injuries along the way. And then you just slept funny that one night and it caused the problem. So they think, oh, I woke up with neck pain so I can have it treated in one session. So as a practitioner, it is my job to communicate how injury works, where it goes. Like uh, there's a lot of research that shows it takes a, a lot of tissue damage before you get to pain. So our body can have lots of micro tears going on and that's how we were able to, you know, go to the gym on a daily basis and have like that mild soreness after, but it's not enough that you have to stop going, right? So we, we forget that the pain that screams at us to go get treatment, uh, you've probably had that problem for a long time. So that one hit wonder is never going to work out for you. So as a practitioner, it's very, it's on me to communicate that. Um, and then you have people who just don't listen to that. And they come in and they expect to feel better after, after one session with anyone. And I you can tell that patient because one of the questions I do ask is what what other, what other treatments have you done? And if I get the, well, I saw my osteopath and then I went to an acupuncturist and then I had a massage and now I'm seeing the physio and now I'm at the chiro, you're like, okay, so this person is not gonna really stick out through a treatment plan, which is what people need. It's a plan of treatment where, you know, and you can get a good idea with uh, once you have been in practice for a while. And I mean, they do teach us at school, but I feel like experience is much more uh, solidifying in competence and stuff. So you can give someone an idea like, oh, okay, uh, a discrimination follows a certain pattern uh, in most people. So you can give them an idea of what to expect. And if I skip that step, then then sometimes people will leave because sometimes people hurt more for the first couple treatments as they're going through before they get better. And if you don't teach them, if you don't set up the expectation that that can happen, then people blame you, the practitioner, versus oh, this is just how this injury goes.
0: Yeah, we get that a lot as personal trainers too. It's oh, like
1: for sure you do, like, right?
0: We want to well, drop thirty pounds I- in a month. I'm sorry. I
1: didn't- the expectation, no, I worked out once and I, I didn't lose any weight and I didn't, my muscles don't look bigger. Like, yeah, because no. it takes <laughs> months to years to change a body.
0: Yeah. Yes, it does. Uh, one of the things that I actually, uh, I'm an advocate on one of the blog co- posts that you posted was, uh, your, I'm going to call it a war on sugar. Was, <laughs> um, this has been this is like the hardest thing for anybody to give up because it they, they have they have said that sugar is more addictive than cocaine itself. So your blog post was was uh, titled What Happens When You Stop Eating Sugar? So my question to you is, how do you stop somebody from eating sugar when when, you, when we are so inundated with so much sugar?
1: That's true. <laughs> Um, that is definitely a tough one. That is also an expectation thing. You really got to set people up to understand what it feels like to get off sugar. Um, most people have had experiences stopping caffeine for a little while and very similar experience, right? Mood swings, headaches, just waking up feeling crappy and stuff. And people associate, Oh, in order to fix those symptoms, I got to put the sugar back in my body. And you got to understand that that's, that's withdrawal. If something is so powerful that it's causing withdrawal, then there's, there's a big problem with that thing. Um, I like to start small. I like to find out what people are eating. um, Because when we eat when we eat clean, and what I mean clean is when you're going and you're buying vegetables and you're buying fruits and you're taking individual ingredients and putting them together yourself, you're you're eating clean, right? When you buy something that's boxed for you and prepared for you, then you don't know what's in there. And that's, I feel like a huge part of where people don't even understand they're getting sugar from those things. Because... In all the sauces, there's sugars. And when they put things, and there's a lot, you know, they they put a lot of things, a lot of people are like, oh, I like salty snacks. Like I'm a potato chip person. I'm like, there's sugar in potato chips too. Like there's all sorts of stuff. We don't even know we're getting sugar in because it's a savory food or a salty food. And there is lots of sugar in all that stuff. So uh, I think that first step for people is just to get them on real food my one of my trainers once told me he said the word was jerf, which was just eat real food so instead of jerk (laughs) (laughs) and i i was like oh yeah okay that makes sense and that's a very that's that's the best way to get off sugar and the other thing is to give people alternatives if they can't not have sugar in their coffee, for instance, or in their tea or in their beverages, like you need to, to offer an alternative. There are tons of sugars out there that are much better for you. Even just having like 100% pure maple syrup or raw honey, right? Doesn't spike your blood sugar in the same way they they are slower burns, and you can still get sweet without having that spike that the white sugar does to you so providing alternatives is a really great way to help people shift over Um, and I'm not a huge advocate of artificial sweeteners however if somebody's going to get off of sugar sometimes you want might want to just shift to the to the diet versions of them first and then take the next step So it's Um,
0: like a weaning thing for them.
1: Yeah, a weaning thing. And two, cutting back too. Like if somebody's a, let's say a pop drinker, then, and they drink, you know, five Cokes a day. Well, if you can first switch them onto something diet, so you're going to get a little bit less sweet and it's a little bit better for you. I don't know, you're substituting chemical for (laughs) sugar but uh it is i would say going to the better version great or if you can just say okay you have five cokes a day just have for the next week cut it down to three and then the week after that cut it down to one and then you know try try none or try every other day like anything you can do to get them to cut down it will uh decrease the withdrawal that they experience, which is helpful and more sustainable for them long term, if there's not such terrible consequences for cutting themselves off. Um, and although I do agree sugar is as could be as bad as cocaine, especially for the brain and the body, and that like it doesn't really help us cope with stress. I mean, it it's pumping up, making your insulin have to go up, and insulin and cortisol are very linked, which is our stress horm- stress hormone. So It's a lot of stress in the body eating too much sugar. Um, But yeah, so anything you can make it easier. Uh, I just myself was on a bad bandwagon over a lot of COVID and I just did it myself. And now I kind of went cold turkey on the the no sugar thing, but with knowledge of, all, with all my knowledge, it was easier for me because I knew what to expect. but one thing I did have to say is doing that again. I mean, I, I've done it a few times before, but uh, I was probably eating a lot worse than I ever have in my life for the last while being stuck inside and going stir crazy. But uh, what a mood shift. Like after the first week, like I was waking up with way more energy. I also took got off uh, caffeine as well and just switch to herbal teas. And uh, like uh, green tea for, because it's a much slower caffeine uh, experience. Um, Just waking up with energy. You'd think getting off of caffeine and sugar, you would wake up tired and lethargic. But after week one, I like wake up every morning and I'm like, okay, I can get out of bed when I wake up. That hadn't happened for me for a long time. So yeah, benefits of that are so huge.
0: So we've been like covering like this whole health and wellness topic, and it sounds like you you and your clinic deals with a lot. What do you guys specifically deal with? Because health and wellness is such a broad
1: topic. Oh sure, huge, huge. Um, well, I would like to say we are focused on mostly like physical injury and physical well being. So we want to take a body. Um, from whatever state it's in, and improve its function overall. So most people are coming in, like uh, most people are coming in with, well, there's two two generalized patients I get: injury patients. So someone comes in, I've hurt my back, I've got headaches, I, you know, I hurt my neck, I got it in, in a car accident, and I have pain from that. So people are coming in pain focused. I've got something that's hurting me, and I want to fix it. Um, and me personally, like I treat, I, I think most people's come into a chiropractor for some kind of back issue, from, from the top of the head to the, to the, down to the butt, like some kind of back issue. 90% of my initial patients are coming in for that. Um, and then I have a handful of patients that are coming more for wellness care and what I deem that is, yeah, I, I have some aches and pains, nothing so bad, but I just think I could feel better. So nothing, oh, or posture. <laughs> Over COVID, everyone sat at desks and got in front of computers even more so than before, and we didn't leave our houses, and a lot of people stopped moving and working out, right? So a lot of people just had this, like, I'm achy all the time. I, F1. getting up from sitting is hard, getting out of bed in the morning is hard. because I just sort of generalize, it's not like a 10 out of 10 on the pain scale. It's like a two to three out of 10 on the pain scale, but it's there and it's bugging me on a regular basis. So those are sort of the two dichotomies. So a lot of pain and sort of minimal pain that I just feel like my body can function better. And all my practitioners are really geared towards that physical uh, issue. Um, and then, yeah, a a lot of my practitioners or me specifically, I'm very interested in overall health and wellness. So once I get to know a patient and I help them through their immediate problem, if they sort of decide to stick around for a more wellness body overall approach, then sometimes I'll get into the nutrition and then working on people's, uh, sort of mindset around health um and you you know as a trainer right people really like health is really a a state of mind it's a set of practices that you put into your life that need to be daily if not weekly like some things you can do and maybe you don't need to do them every day but you have to you know have your routine set up and and to create a healthy body you need more than just no pain. You need to put good food in your body. You have to have the right mental outlook. Um, So that's sort of a personal thing I like to get into because I I mean, it's just inspiring to me to to help people transform. So I love helping people get out of pain. But once we're out of pain, there's so much more you can do.
0: That's actually quite interesting. And we're going to get into the mind-body connection in just a bit. But, sure. Um Because I used to deal with, before COVID hit, I, I used to deal with uh, with uh, post-rehab. So like the customer would come in after rehab and they want to go back to doing squats, squats. So I'd get them there. And I understand fully about what you mean about getting people out of injury and getting them but what I found mostly was getting them past the physical injury was one thing getting them past the mental aspect of them still being injured was it was totally different
1: yeah well injury could create a lot of fear in people right like their body failed them in some way and to to move past that and to trust their body again is sometimes really hard. And that's all in the mind, right? Because you're, you're, once you're, your tissues in your body are injury-free, there's really no reason that you can't go back to what you were doing before and do more and get better. But that, that mind will get in your way for sure. Yeah.
0: Um, one thing that I noticed with a lot of my clients is their sleep was impacted greatly because of it how like I have a circadian cycle right behind me for those of you watching for mm-hmm. those for those of you listening I have a circadian cycle behind me the graph um, how important do you think is like getting your sleep right
1: well uh, first of all we do like a good majority of our healing of our growing of our tissue repair all during sleep so sleep is super vital um, sometimes my patients like worry because I would have the title of natural healthcare practitioner, right? I don't prescribe medication to, to people. Um, and they worry. They're like, oh, like, is it okay if I take something? And I always tell them if your pain is interrupting your sleep, then medicate the pain, put the band aid on, take care of that pain because. The sleep is far more important than than taking a drug for a couple of days that you, if you don't want to put chemicals in your body, and there's a lot of people out there who like need, want to be all natural and they don't feel comfortable putting some of those chemicals in their body, but I always tell people, If you, if you're going to lose out on sleep, I'd rather you take your medicine for a couple of days, take that Advil or, or something even stronger, whatever, for a couple of days to get the sleep in, because your body's going to heal better. What if it can sleep, right? Um, And I, uh, something I talk a lot about with my patients is, is how, how are they sleeping? What position are they in? Are they getting a good deep sleep? You know, when was the last time that they got a new mattress, (laughs) you know? Because the mattresses out there today are fantastic and there's so many options. Um, and a lot of them have those, especially those ones. Although I don't know how you return them once they've blown up out of the box. <laughs> um, but like they all come with like 90 day trial periods, like try it mattress. So and uh, so it's like really, there's there's so many great stuff out there. And also pillows, like people, sometimes like I have a lot of people are like, oh, you know, I wake up and my shoulders and neck are sore every day. I'm like, oh, well, what kind of pillow are you sleeping on? Because depending on your position in sleep, some pillows are more optimal than others. So I do a lot of education on sleep position and the importance of getting quality sleep. And of course, with technology these days, we're all on our phones and a lot of people have a TV in there and then there's a blue light and then there's a red light and there's like all these Things that we don't even realize. So we've kind of set up our bedrooms that are not conducive to the best, deepest possible sleep. And of course, when you have children, then it all goes out the window. <laughs> but, usually, uh,
0: usually does.
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, with my kids, my younger son was always a, a difficult sleeper. So I, I got very strict on that because him not sleeping then impacted me. And then I was not, I'm one of those people, if I don't get a good quality sleep, I'm, I just, I don't function as well. And having an a, a infant and like a two-year-old, I, I felt very, I had a lot of difficulty parenting that two-year-old who's going through normal phases of like defiance and little things that maybe wouldn't be impactful was just him but when I was exhausted from this infant who my second did not sleep for the first four months of his life basically I couldn't deal with my two-year-old effectively because I was just so angry (laughs) and if you allow swearing I was really just quite a bitch for that whole time (laughs) yeah so well I don't know so yeah um Yeah, so I guess sleep is very vital. And I really, I really do talk a lot with my patients about it. And we discuss even small things like taking magnesium before you go to bed. That's a huge help with sleep because it relaxes everything in the body, not just the muscles, which is often a good thing for when people have like twitches or cramps or whatever. So magnesium helps, but it also relaxes smooth muscle as well, which means well, better bowel movement. So that improves health too, right? And plus it relaxes your brain and your, the brain waves. So you actually get a nicer, calmer, deeper sleep. So little things like that, that people don't even know about is really helpful. And yeah, sleep is super vital. And I, I, the people who say, oh, I function fine on four hours, five hours of sleep. It's not true. Like they think they do because that's how they've slept their whole life, but the truth is, they would be a much better version of themselves if they actually got in more sleep.
0: Yeah, yeah, and I found that you can only you can only sustain that for a short period of time. I, I tried that last year, getting five hours sleep, and did that from March till around September, and then October I had a massive burnout.
1: Yeah, it's it's so hard and um, it really is, it's really rough on your neurology, really. Your brain really can't handle that and you have to compensate a lot. Um, And the only thing I can say to that is if you are an insomniac, like getting more physically active is often very helpful with that. So if you can't sleep, sometimes I recommend to people like, then get up, like, Before you're going to go to bed, not right before, but go out and get some, go do your gym workout at at nine o'clock at night, come home and go to sleep at 11. Like if you, if you have a rough sleep because your body's going to be tired, which will help quiet your brain more. Those things like that can be helpful too.
0: Cool. Very cool. Uh, Switching gears a bit. um, What was the trigger for you to get started studying in chiropractic treatment?
1: Well, um, I always sort of growing up, like my dad was a stockbroker and financial planner. My mom worked at Seneca College. So she was like a, a, a teacher and then administrator there. So I kind of, when I was a kid growing up, I kind of went back and forth between, oh, I'm gonna be like my mom. No, I'm gonna be like my dad. No, I'm gonna be like my mom. And then around eight or 10 years old, I sort of said, forget the, that. I want to be a doctor. So I was sort of at a very young age, I knew I wanted to help people. And then I guess my own personal experience, I must've been a, a relatively healthy kid. And my own personal experience was you go to the doctor to get needles or medicine and you don't go to the doctor if you don't need either of those things. And so in my mind, and I didn't need those things too much except for whenever they... Were required I was not a very sickly kid so I wasn't at the doctor that much and I got that into my head that's what doctors did and I was not so into it after a while once I got into my teenage years I wasn't into taking medicine and I wasn't I definitely did not like needles needles freaked me out except for now I have tattoos so forget that phobia but um, so when I went to university, I was like, I, I need to figure out how to be a doctor that doesn't do that, because I didn't want to do that. I was like, I don't want to give needles and I don't want to prescribe medicine. So uh, most people were talking about going into physiotherapy. And I just have this personality streak inside me that says when every single person is doing one thing, you should do something different. <laughs> I just always been like that it's like everyone's wearing red no I'll wear pink like I just I just have that natural little bit of rebellion inside me. Um, And my mom actually suggested to me when I was in finishing off my second year at university, she said, why don't you go and uh, spend your summer shadowing different practitioners. So like my parents knew, my mom saw a chiropractor and um, my da- one of my dad's friends was a chiropractor and uh, one of my mom's friends was an occupational therapist. So I just spent that summer after my second year uh, spending a day with different practitioners. And what happened when I went into chiropractors offices was this, I lived the best life ever. I treat people, they get better. I love my life. I wake up every day happy to go to work. I, I make tons of money. I have my weekends off. I like work four day weekdays, like, uh, like just the happiest people I ever met. I was like, I need I want that drug. <laughs> like, Sign me up. <laughs> because they were so happy. And they just loved their life so much. And they were s- such believers in, in the body and like our ability to heal ourselves, which is very empowering. Um, Yeah. So I just got really excited about it. And I said, okay, that's where I'm going.
0: Very cool. Very cool. Now it's interesting because uh, coming from a layman perspective, chiropractic is just cracking bones.
1: (laughs) Yes, but
0: I do have friends that are chiropractors, and it's much more than that. Um, There's this there's this there's this idea out there that, you know, you know, you crack your knuckles and you're being told as a kid, don't crack your knuckles or you're going to catch arthritis. Isn't that a little bit true with the rest of the body or am I missing something? I'm probably (laughs) missing something here.
1: Well, (laughs) All friction, so, you know, our jo- a joint is where two bones come together. Okay. So, people mistaken that noise, that cracking noise, they think those are bones banging against each other. Okay, And when the idea of bones banging against each other creates friction, of course you're going to wear and tear them and you're going to create arthritis. Um, But that's not what cracking is, first of all, it's just it's the illusion because that sound and I don't know why the universe or God or whatever, our creator of whomever he or she may be, or it may be. I don't know why they chose that noise, because it freaks people out. In fact, it freaks me out. I I hate when people crack their knuckles. I'm like, oh, stop it. But I'm okay when I crack other people's backs and make noises. Um. First of all, yes, we do move the body and it makes that cracking noise. So yes, we're cracking. Um, But there's so much else going on in the joints. And what people don't understand about that particular noise is every joint has a capsule around it, meaning a tissue that wraps around the entire joint and seals it off from the rest of the body. And then we've got this fluid inside that joint And around the edges of the bone we have cartilage which protects it so there's not so much friction in there and sometimes we even have things like discs in our spine between the joints so they're not so we got this rubbery stuff that we're rubbing against or we have bursas in some joints like uh, around shoulders and knees and hips. And we also have labrums, which is like really thick cartilage in our shoulders and our knees. So there's lots of stuff protecting those surfaces that are actually connecting to make the motion. And one of the things is every bit of our body is made up of billions of cells, right? Each cell functions as a unit on its own. Each cell has a brain, each cell has an energy source and it has to eat and digest and product of digestion is gas. And because those joints have those capsules around them that doesn't let anything leave the joints, the gas will build up in there. And that's why sometimes when I adjust someone that, that crack noise is so loud and you're like, wow, that joint hasn't been moved in a long time. There's lots of air bubbles in it and it makes that loud noise versus sometimes it's so quiet, you can barely hear it. And you know, there's less gas in that joint at the time of the adjustment. Um, the other thing that um, the layperson doesn't know is that you don't even need that noise to make that to for an adjustment to happen. For what I need, for what I'm looking for, my goal is not that noise. It just happens to happen most of the time. Um, but uh, there's many different chiropractic techniques that that use some tools and stuff that like eliminate the noise completely. Um, because they're faster and we're not they don't require as much um, twisting or pushing on those joints to get them to move. So the the crack is a byproduct. It's not the goal. Um, Yeah. And then the other thing that people don't know much about is the interaction with the nervous system. Every time you adjust a joint, you have a whole cascade of things that happens in the body, uh, particularly in the spine because the spinal cord's right there. So when you do that release in the spine, you get a message immediately that goes straight up to the brain and tells the brain to stop producing adrenaline and cortisol, your stress hormones, and to start producing dopamine and serotonin which are your feel good hormones for your re- relax hormones and the other thing it does is go into the motor cortex of the brain and shuts off contraction so actually if I never touched a muscle and just did an adjustment those muscles that are tight around there are going to relax actually over t- over time it takes a few minutes to an hour some people it takes even longer it depends how tight they are now me personally I like to do work on the muscles anyways because I find that the impact of the adjustment and treatment is so much more when you release muscles too but that's my personal that's my personal take on it other chiropractors don't even touch the muscles they just do those adjustments and I have so many ways to adjust that don't require the crack so I like to tell people like because um, I've had some patients who were, were I, I had a mom recently who wanted to bring her son in he's been having headaches and mom was so worried because she doesn't like the the cracking she's just not for her she doesn't like it she especially did not want me to work on to make his neck make noise because that was too freaky for her um, so I said you know what bring him in like I have alternative ways of moving the neck that have zero cracking happening so you don't have to stress out about that and she was so happy at the end of the treatment with me because I think I I shared information with her that no other person that she had taken her son to see had even shared just just little things like explained all the posture his posture and what I found and how it's contributing to the headaches and we talked about Um, you know, how little exercises to help adjust the posture and little ways that he could do self-care at home to help when he gets headaches and things that she just had never had any other healthcare practitioner offer her. So I'm glad she came in and uh, got over the the fear of the cracking.
0: (laughs) Well, I don't mind the cracking. So I'm one of of those weird, (laughs) weird, weird guys, I guess.
1: But, um, oh, and yes, I guess the arthritis myth of the over cracking. First of all, as chiropractors, like hopefully we're not, we're not doing the like 20 people who crack their knuckles tend to do it, you know, 10, 20 times a day. If you're seeing your chiropractor, hopefully, unless you're in severe, severe, severe pain, you should be seeing your chiropractor maximum once a day, but most people are seeing chiropractors for like injury type care, like two or three times in a week. Um, and then for like a maintenance style or wellness style care, you're you're generally going in like once a month for an adjustment. So this is not a situation where you're gonna get that over cracking friction causing arthritis situation. Um, and I also think there's a huge, factor of genetics in there because some people are just more genetically prone to arthritis so some people will crack their knuckles for their whole life and they'll never ever experience arthritis in their knuckles and other people don't crack them ever and get severe arthritis in their knuckles there's there is some kind of genetic tendency and also nutritional tendency some people walk around with tons of inflammation in their body which is the number one cause of arthritis, but also the number one cause of a lot of or involved in most disease processes that we know of. So certain things you can do even from a nutrition standpoint or like let's say go go have a massage and do lymphatic drainage, like get the excess fluid out of your body as much as possible. And hydration is key, right? We only hold on to water when uh, we don't get enough. If the body's not sure. So there's like lots of other factors that play into why we get arthritis other than being an excessive knuckle cracker. <laughs>
0: <laughs> no, I, I, I agree with that. I agree with that. Um, a, a big part of what you do is resetting the skeleton back to a state of quote unquote normalcy of how it's supposed to look like. like um, now I have studied in the past Acu- uh, traditional Chinese medicine and acupuncture. Uh, do you do any work with the Meridian system as well to help solidify the the area that you just adjusted?
1: So, I mean, I I actually have tra- trained in acupuncture myself in, in a TCM acupuncture. Um, I tend to not use it personally because I have such amazing tcm acupuncturists in my clinic and the last clinic that I worked at also had amazing acupuncturists in there so for me I was like instead of throwing it in as an add-on to my treatment I, I really was like please go see the the expert in that because that's sort of like something I mean I spent a good amount of time learning it so I have the knowledge and yes when I look at the body I'm always looking at what is the flow of energy? And I think that's just something I've sort of personally picked up along the way from studying that. Um, So I, I also get sometimes just this intuitive feeling like, okay, I'm treating someone, they've got a low back issue, and my brain will just tell me, check out their right shoulder. And I just go up there and I'm like, oh, what's going on up here? And like, So that to me is like almost using that kind of energy flow where you're just like, okay, there's something more, like this is a problem here, but it's not just there. It's flowed up to other parts of the body. And that has a lot of uh, connection to that kind of sort of meridian, chi, whatever you want to call it, where there's a flow of energy through the body. And that things that might be, you might have a problem on the bottom of your foot, but it's related to a hip issue on the other side of the body. And that is all like, when you look at TCM and acupuncture, right, that's the whole thing, right? Like, you've got the whole spine on the bottom of the foot there. And like, you'll you have points on along all the meridians are called by organs, right? So like you have livers, liver running through your whole body, right? So um, I really do feel that Having that connection, that holistic view of the body, that you can't isolate one little area and not affect and have no effect on everywhere else. So, when I personally treat, I don't ever just check out where they're sore. I look at the whole body, I look at posture, I look at the balance in the body, I look at you know, if they've got a low back issue, I always check the upper back. And if they have an upper back issue, I check the low back. And if they have a shoulder issue, I'm going to go in right through from like belly button up, spine, because the, the nerves are, and the nervous system is going everywhere. And then the nerves from the, you know, neck and upper back, upper back area are going down the arms. So if I have an elbow issue, it's never just going to be the elbow especially if you got it playing a sport or doing an exercise, right? Because you you weren't just bending your, your elbow wasn't detached from your body and you were bending it in isolation, right? It was bent. And then when you injure your elbow, you've compensated now with your shoulder, which is connected to your neck and to your rib cage. And so you have to check everything and really see that body as a whole holistic view. If you want to have the best impact on somebody.
0: Yeah, that is so true, because that's what I used to do with, uh, with my clients post or pre-COVID is they, they would even see the gym floor until they, until I was comfortable with them getting off of my table. Um, now, the next little topic we might get a little woo-woo into, so if you don't mind.
1: I like woo-woo.
0: Okay, muscle knots. Now, muscle knots according to acupuncture and traditional Chinese medicine is a buildup of energy in one area because the meridian is blocked. I used to use that with muscle testing. How do you go about finding the issue with the muscle knot?
1: Yeah. So, well, first of all, um, I mean, because it's the same sort of idea right a muscle is not in isolation a muscle starts somewhere on the body attaches into a bone and then goes to another part of the body and attaches into sometimes a different bone sometimes the same bone depends on the muscle right so you need to look not just at the muscle knot because muscles don't get knotted for no reason, right? So I always I always have to follow out. So if I'm working on the bicep, I'm going to check the shoulder and the elbow, and sometimes I go beyond that. Um, and obviously if I'm going into the shoulder, then I'm going over to the neck because I always try and connect into the spine because that is the most impactful I can have. I have people come and tell me they have numbness in their hand, sometimes I don't even touch the hands. sometimes I'm all up in the neck and the shoulder area working on those knots that I find in there um, and making sure that the joints are aligned so yeah with muscle knots I always work on the muscle and often you have to work on the group so if you have a bicep issue you can't just treat that bicep right there's other muscles that run in and around and behind and beside those muscles you have to check all that because the that that muscle didn't knot up in isolation um and i find too because there's joints associated you really got to check out those joints too you can't just check out that bicep without looking okay how is that shoulder moving how is your elbow moving like where where is it that the problem of the motion that's causing that muscle to get tight, right? Um, and I, uh, I think like the, the idea of the, the being block causing, that, that makes sense too, right? The flow, you can also look at it from a very scientific instead of woo-woo places, is the flow of the information along your nervous system from your brain to your body, and from your body back up to your brain, is that flowing? Where is it restricted along the way? So then you're taking a a, a meridian, which might be more woo-woo talk for some people, and putting it into a very scientific thing, like, your your nerve is getting pinched by that muscle and therefore you're not getting the messages all the way down your arm. So you can look at it you can make it non-woo woo for the people who don't like it. <laughs> I like woo-woo personally but
0: oh um, me too I'm,
1: I'm a woo-woo geek. <laughs>
0: um the central nervous system uh It's probably the most important thing and which kind of leads into what we're talking about with knots. Do you think like pinching or impingement of the central nervous system in one form or another, not only just has an effect on the physical aspect of the human, but also the psychological aspect?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, our, our brains are processing, billions of things, like, I I don't, I I can't quote the right numbers, because I don't really know them offhand, but like, we're processing, like, I believe it's in the billions of of synapses every minute of the day. Um, And our body's never not firing something, even when we're sleeping, things are going on. So, um, yeah, like, the, when the body, well, first of all, when we're in pain, there's a huge psychological aspect to that, right? Pain, you and you and I can be injured in the exact same way and to the exact same degree. And I might be screaming in agony and you might be like, oh yeah, whatever. Because your perception of that pain, because maybe you've experienced that level of pain before, or, you know, this is a regular injury that you have. And so regardless of the fact that we've been injured and have the same exact level of injury in the tissue itself, our brains perceive it completely different. So any physical ailment in the body is going to affect people on a a mental health level. Um, Yeah, like, especially I find like chronic pain people who are in pain on a daily basis for long periods of time, there's massive psychological overlay and you can remove that physical pain from them. And they will have to still get over the psychological thing. Like you said, you know, being afraid to move past injury, right? That's all a lot, a lot of mental, like my body failed me and now I have to get over that. Um, Plus movement is very key to mental health if you speak to anybody who has depression anxiety whatever all those things improve drastically with physical activity so it makes sense that uh, mental health would be tied right into physical issues
0: yeah um i was we were i was going to circle back to to exactly what you came what you mentioned um with the whole um moving past because you see it in sports athletes all the time like they get hurt doing during a specific movement and every time they cut lead up to it they fail
1: yeah they fail and too like it's like they set themselves up for the failure they get so scared about getting there uh, and, and the head gets in the way of, of the, the body moving. Um, and often they end up more injured because they're scared of doing something. Like a lot of the time um, they say like, oh, I know my, my dad's a, like a loves to golf. Um, and he talks about, you know, when you're going through that swing, the second you don't go full out and don't just do that motion freely with full release is the is when you screw up is when you your thing goes your ball goes off the wide and or it goes short or whatever and a lot of people get you know they get to that motion that's Uh, difficult or scary or where they had an injury and they freeze up. They're like, Oh my God, I got to get through this. And then they end up tightening everything up and they don't go full out through that motion. And that's where we get more injuries because people are freezing instead of flowing. And that, that really causes a lot of problems.
0: What tools do you use to help somebody get through that?
1: Well, I know professional sports uh, people are use a ton of visualization. get through that and i know there's been tons of studies done where you had people uh doing the physical practice and other people doing a mental practice of the physical practice so like visualizing themselves doing it and they get the same gains in in improvement in their skill whether they've done it physically or mentally so to practice Um, whatever is scary mentally where you don't you're not in the danger of injuring yourself uh, is a huge way to help people get over that hump just to visualize themselves doing it successfully Um, and and it's got to be like a regular daily practice uh, to get through that Um, and and you know visualizing themselves being successful going through that motion is a huge way to to get them over the hump and that way when they jump to the physical once they've practiced doing it mentally so many times then now they're able to get out of their head Uh, actually very applicable to postural issues because posture is something posture is just how are we holding our body Um, and then there's more ideal postures than others right Um, and posture but we're always in posture whatever we're doing we're in a posture and most of the time we're not really thinking about it if we're leaning to one side or if uh we're sucking in our stomach or if we're letting it all hang out like we're not generally thinking about that unless maybe an attractive person walks by then maybe you might suck it in and you know stand up straighter but otherwise it's very subconscious um and when I'm working on posture with patients, I teach them that. I'm like, you need to start bringing posture to the forefront of your mind. You need to start thinking about it. You need to go, okay, is my posture good now? And then think about it for 30 seconds. And if you can think about your posture and correct it for 30 seconds, like 10, 12 times a day, you're sitting up straight as I'm talking about
0: posture. I, I actually just cracked my neck. <laughs>
1: um, And then slowly but surely, you don't have to start, you don't have to think about it anymore. Um, When I was little, I I did ballet when I was little. And one thing they always had us do was, you know, suck suck in your stomach. Like that was just think because it tightens your core and it gives you the strength to be able to lift your legs and do all this stuff in ballet. But, you know, when you're a little kid, they don't really explain it that way to you. They just say, okay, proper ballet forms suck in that stomach. And then when I transfer over to being in chiropractic college and we're talking about the, the uh, transversus abdominis muscle, right? And like how that helps with posture and core strength and all this stuff. And I walked out of that class where I learned that. in, and, and I thought, oh my God, I do that all the time because I did ballet so much as a kid, they always told me to suck in and I've been sucking in my whole life. <laughs> so, but like for somebody new, that would be a new thing, right? Like they wouldn't walk around tightening their core all the time. So yeah, muscles and and all, all things we do in, in sport and movement, we can do mentally to build up the physical experience. So,
0: No, I totally agree. But uh, the thing I have, the thing I have an issue with the transverse transverse abdominis or the TVA, as we call it, um, is that the actual two times that we actually really use it is when women are giving birth and when you go to the bathroom. Sure. Sure. (laughs) That's the only time it's really being used. So if you're having bowel issues, maybe your TVA needs to be worked a little bit.
1: Yeah, for sure. Uh, I I just uh, I guess that it was the the buzz thing right like that people or I think engaging that core um, it's just it's really although I'm sure that uh, people have been training with that idea for a long time but people were always focused on that the six-pack the you know the rectus abdominis that that because it it looks nice <laughs> so people focus on that and and I think the the discussion of using those other layers underneath the the obliques and and the transverses is very important because you don't want to just engage and have a six pack on top of the a, a not strong, strong core because it might look nice but doesn't do as much for you if you're not all the way around if you don't have that whole corset tight so
0: yeah that's another big thing as trainers fail at it's like everybody's like everybody comes to us oh I want the six-pack abs well you already have them
1: oh yeah we all have them and (laughs) and the other thing that people don't know like of course you can get get your abs stronger that that without a doubt can happen but like 80% of that is just basically eating right to show show off what is already there right <laughs> we can all show off our six packs if we just got uh got rid of that you know abdominal fat that's lying on top of it preventing them from being seen which is mostly diet
0: yeah absolutely absolutely um you're gonna switch gears a little bit um okay. I want to talk a little bit more about community. Now, this is a huge topic, especially of late. You had a very interesting history, well, maybe like a few years ago, when you pretty much lost everything. Now, I know because I've been there before, and I don't, I know how hard it really is. So, why don't we? Why don't you go in if if you don't mind going into it a little bit?
1: Sure, sure. Well, I just um. um like when I graduated from school, I, I was really lucky. I w- happened to have ended a serious relationship a year before school ended and was single and had this profession. And I thought, OK, I can go anywhere in the world and do this as long as I can speak the language, which I guess limited me <laughs> because I'm not very good at much besides English, so very poor French I have and a little bit of Hebrew, but other than that, no, not much. But uh, so I ended up going to Australia for two years, and then when I came back, I associated at a couple clinics, which means I worked under other people. Um, and then I, I, someone from my chiropractic class kind of called me and said, I, you know, I have this guy, he's a retiring doctor. Um, I was supposed to take over his clinic, but it's not working out for me. Would you come check this out? So I went and it turned out to be a very good fit um, in terms of just my kind of style of practice. And I went in there and uh, unfortunately he was actually quite sick, which is why he was retiring. So it was a little rushed and I didn't really know anything about business because they don't teach you that, even though you really end up having to know how to run a business, but they don't teach you that at school, um, or very little. And uh, so I just went in there, and I secured a loan for for to buy the practice. Um, But I really, I didn't know enough about business to know like, I should also plan for the maybe the first six months to a year. So I I should have asked for more money. And I should have there's a lot of should was there, but basically I went in there and uh, it was 2008. So everybody, like if you looked up and down Yonge street (laughs) that day, for those of you not in Toronto, that's like our main busiest street in Toronto. Um, And there were businesses closing everywhere. People were leaving all over the place. Um, And here I am buying a, a new business and I renovated the space and Um, I just had a very not nice landlord which a lot of people have experienced not great landlords and I'm sure during this pandemic there's a lot of people who had some uh, who found out their landlords weren't as nice as they thought they were and other people like me in in my current situation found out I had the most wonderful landlord possible so but in this case it was tough I had student loans I had business loan um, and the practice came with a a receptionist who was lovely and I was a bleeding heart and I kept her on because I wanted to keep her for the transition and just to be nice because I knew she didn't have anything else but that job and for me that was I didn't want to let her go feeling obligated to keep her uh, because she was nice and because whatever, because I was, too, I was too nice. <laughs> and I didn't know enough about business to, to know that you can like someone and they still might not be good for your business. Anyways, I got myself into a little trouble where I was working, like, five days, five days a week, um, and like full time working there. And I was making just enough to pay back everything at the end of the month. So I was walking away with zero. I was super lucky that uh, I had very, very nice parents that had a room in the basement of their house and they let me stay there rent free. Otherwise, I would have never, I couldn't have lived a life on that. And after a while was taxing because I was, you know, I was. I can't remember how old I was then. Oh, yes, I do. I was 30 years old then. And I just was like, it was time to not be in my parents' basement. (laughs) And I wanted to move out, but I had no way because I, everything was going right back into that clinic. Um, And as people were leaving things, I spoke to my landlord there and I said, please help me out. Like I'm a new business. I've got all this overhead. The guy that was in there before me was there for 30 years. He had no overhead other than rent. Like he was in a position where that it wasn't an issue for him. And they just didn't care. Sorry, it's business, not personal, you're lovely, but we can't do anything for you. And I tried to bring in somebody else to rent with me. I tried to get other practitioners in. I just, I just was young and naive and I didn't know what I was doing yet and it didn't all work out and the landlord was difficult in terms of bringing in a subleaser. I was like, okay, I can't stay here. Let me help you get someone in to take over my lease and they blocked me everywhere. No, we don't want this type of business in here. No, we don't want that type of business in there. So eventually said, I'm sorry, but I got to leave. So I left and uh, all was fine for about a year. And then they decided to, they served me with papers to sue me for money because of the situation, they couldn't get anyone else in that space. It took them a year to fill the space. And then they ended up giving that person, they offered them uh, basically half the rent that I was paying to fill the space now too bad for them because if they had just did that for me in the beginning and said okay we understand and dropped my rent by half I could have stayed and they would have never missed a year of payment but of course so they sued me for that year that I missed plus anticipation of the uh, the, the next year that they were only going to get half the rent so they wanted to sue me for the other half of the rent too um that they were missing and uh, yeah so under the advice of Uh, a lawyer and a debt consolidation person, I declared bankruptcy, which was crazy at the time. But I I had a husband, but no kids yet. Um, I had a kid on the way. And uh, so they said, really, it's not a big deal. Lots of people do it, don't worry about it. But because I was young and I also, I didn't, I wasn't incorporated or anything. So I've had to personally go bankrupt and you know not be able to get credit cards for a long time and it's hard to lease a space if you're if you're in bankruptcy right so um, that and which was okay at the time for me there i just decided to work for other people at that point in time but yeah it was scary and a tough decision to do and carried through for a long time up to uh even getting this new space that I'm in now, Health Haven is in, I had to get my husband to co-sign everything with me because of the bankruptcy that just still kind of lingers in your background. It's actually completely off my, my credit record now, but, um, which is wonderful. But, you know, that just little things like that puts a strain on, on your, your marriage and your life, right? because now i'm dependent on my husband in a whole on a whole, whole other level like he's not financially supporting me because he wants to but it's because he has to and that can add a little bit of layer of tension into a marriage financial financial issues always sort of a lot a, layer, a stress layer to any relationship really
0: yeah it does it does how important is it is was it and still is to have the support of your of of your community which is your husband right now
1: yeah uh uh, i mean it's essential i i couldn't i couldn't be where i am today without it like i i'm super lucky i have a like my immediate community of my immediate family and uh and my husband and uh i have i'm super lucky i i've always been supported um, both emotionally, um, uh, financially, um, and just, yeah, I've always had a very close family and, um, s- close relationship with my siblings and they're all super supportive and yeah, it's, it's, it's everything. Um, and I recently moved from one clinic where the, the owner of that clinic ended up shifting as the clinic became successful, he, he moved from being a very supportive person to being, uh, look, what uh, I need all the money that I can get. And he stopped caring about his practitioners and realizing that they were the ones that were giving him success versus the other way around. He had this mentality that if, he, if that clinic wasn't there, we would all be failing. And that bled into the whole clinic and it led to this huge, massive uh, exodus. At least 10, ten of his, the practitioners who had been there from basically when he started that clinic had to, left because we, we all felt pushed out by him. And that was terrible experience there, but at least I had all my patients were just like, okay, where are you going? We're coming. So that's like a community of support there too. Um, and the community that my clinic in is is amazing. Like we, there's Facebook groups all over the place and I'm sure uh, that, you know, the, the new Nextdoor app that's out there where everyone's in is so supportive. Like there was a fire in one of the coffee shops very recently and they've set up a GoFundMe page for them to, to help them pay their staff and stuff while they're renovating and like, when restaurants do nice things all through the pandemic it's been just incredible to watch everybody support each other and um you know when people are done with items they're just like who needs it like instead of just you know selling stuff or throwing stuff away people are like really generously donating and taking care of everyone Um, it's so nice to see because i feel like the pandemic although it was so heavy on all of our mental health and health in general. And it was so isolating in one way, but it was so, it was, it opened up this whole other thing in the community that I don't necessarily think really existed before that where people were just really looking out for each other and helping each other out and um, doing meal delivery and, and not forgetting to, to help out all the charities in the area and stuff. And I think that was an amazing thing that we got from the pandemic that was positive.
0: So it's mostly like, you know, this pandemic that we just went through separated us so much that strengthened our our own community within ourselves and within our people, people around us.
1: Yeah, for sure. For sure. And, uh, you know, yeah. And I think there is like a lot of opportunity to, to uh, spend so much time with your immediate cohort, whatever that is, whether it was family or, or if it was roommates or if it was, you know, parents and kids together for long periods of time. I think we got an opportunity to really bond and learn even more because of spending all this time together, um, I, I was speaking as a parent, Just to be able to really watch my kids in a way that I never had the opportunity to before. I got to see them interact with their teachers and their friends through virtual school, which I would never have the opportunity to see. And uh, just, you know, connect and bond with like physical touch because that's all I could they those are the only people I could touch right oh, I guess that my practice I was allowed to touch people in a very sanitized way but um it's funny I bumped into a patient on the street and I didn't even recognize her until she stopped me and said oh hi Dr. Jordana because she had her mask off and I had never seen her with her mask off ever because she was a new patient during pandemic time and I thought wow that's like such a weird experience I had no idea what she looked like except for her eyes
0: wow wow do you think we're gonna have a hard time reintroducing ourselves with the community again
1: yeah i think um just because restrictions are lifted doesn't mean people feel comfortable and safe too in the first place especially with working out because i think that's a tough one because now you're in a room with people with all the fluids going around right sweating and breathing hard so i think that can be a little nerve-wracking for people um the other thing is like yeah like we haven't seen people fully for a long time and um you know I think there was a little bit of wreaking havoc on us I don't know I gained uh, the COVID-19 <laughs> so like I don't even look the same as I did before although actually I've released a bunch of it already but um like yeah it's going to be tough to to get back out there and a lot of people still have a ton of anxiety around just being out and being in public and uh, uh, having the education I have and knowing what I know about the body I feel like uh, my level of comfort is so much higher than a lot of other people's. I noticed that because people ask me like, oh, what are you going to do when you're allowed to take off your mask? I'm like, I'm going to throw it in the garbage. I'm going to be so excited. And other people are like, I think I'm going to keep mine on for for a long time. But for me, I know, right? you want it? I personally want to breathe air. I want access to germs. I want to boost my immune system and get that mask off so I can get over of course, I'm, I'm sure we're all going to get these small little colds are going to be blown out of proportion because we haven't touched really germs for like 18 months. <laughs> we're all going to get super sick with not COVID things and then not be allowed to go anywhere because we're all sick with non-COVID related issues. My kids had runny noses this week and I had to keep them away from camp for two days because I was just like, you can't go with a runny nose. You just can't. I know it's not COVID, but oh well.
0: Uh, I'm I am total in agreement with you. I cannot wait for the day to take off these face diapers <laughs> and get germs so I can be healthy again.
1: Exactly, and in, that's that is a unique perspective of, of a healthcare practitioner on any level, from from trainer up to to surgeons. Like we know, if you don't expose yourself to to all the little bugs out there uh, then when the big bad bug comes around you really don't are not able to protect yourself against them and our our reaction to to those small bugs is like no on an, uh, normally with when we're unmasked and whatever and we've had been out in the public like those germs we they're all over us all the time and it's funny when people say they catch colds and stuff i'm like you know, you didn't catch a cold, your immune system was down. And so the cold was able to, to take over your body, because we're fighting colds and germs all the time. It's just when we encounter them. <laughs> but if we have been sanitizing all the germs away and covering ourselves up, it, it'll it be interesting to see.
0: <laughs> yes, it will. Yes, it will. I actually was just got off uh, maybe a couple few hours ago with a call with a uh, Dr ben fuchs i don't mm-hmm. know if you've ever heard of him i think so yeah and he was saying the exact same thing like um and he's like uh a pharma he's a farm phar- he's a pharmacologist and he's like this is we need the germs we need the viruses we, we need to be exposed to this
1: yeah well it's the same thing um Like my kids came home once from school and they had like that, I don't know, you know, Lysol goes around and teaches them all about that. And I said, and I mean, this is pre-COVID, so sorry for (laughs) anyone who doesn't like what I'm about to say, but I said to them, and forget everything that you learned. I was like, no sanitizing, don't do that. I said, the only time I need you to wash your hands is after you go to the bathroom. Other than that, I don't care. You wanna eat the dirt? go right ahead. <laughs> but, you know, I think that may be a, an uncomfortable point of view for some people, but that's me. I just like, you know, touch every animal, get your hands dirty, get dirty. If your food falls on the floor, if it doesn't fall in a pile of like dirt, then pick it up and eat it. Whatever. Who cares?
0: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I'm in agreement with you. <laughs> <laughs>
1: No, I know. I just, you know, some, I, I just like to caveat that with like, I might be out there in that opinion and that's okay. I'm good. I'm okay with that too. If, if I have a an unpopular point of view on some stuff, because sometimes as healthcare, healthcare practitioners, we know so, so much more about those kinds of things um, just based on our education. And, and for me personally, like I'm Like we got a lot of education on nutrition, but I don't necessarily apply it on a daily basis, but I'm fascinated. I will take every course out there on nutrition Uh, and same with neurology. Like um, I just find the the brain and the nervous system so fascinating. And yes, I do believe that I am treating that every time I interact with, with a joint that the, the, if a nerve's there, I'm interacting with the nervous system, but um just i will just take in every course on it neurology is so fascinating the brain is just wow it's just above and beyond maybe if i got to do it all again i'd probably i think i would go into neuro, neurobiology cuz it's so fascinating or maybe epigenetics or something like that
0: well i have an entire textbook that i haven't even cracked open it's just on the neuro, neurological Uh, because neurological system with a human being and I haven't even cracked it open because it's like I read a couple of pages I'm like yeah no not at three o'clock in the morning does (laughs) not this is not 3 a.m reading
1: Oh, I'm gonna forget the name of the guy oh I heard a podcast with this one guy who's just uh who is a neurobiologist or neurologist and he he really talked so well like, I think anyone could have listened to, to that podcast and gotten tons out of it. He was just really able to bring it down to, to the lay, layman's terms. And I was like fascinated by it. I was like, I gotta read every book he put out, but I can't remember his name at the moment. So I apologize for that. But
0: oh, that's cool. That's cool. Uh, we're gonna be wrapping up the show in just a bit. And these are the seven or eight questions that I ask all my guests. Uh, I just want your input on these topics. Okay, Uh, with the increase in people suffering from depression, from the uncertainty in this world, what's the one thing that you could tell them to keep their hopes up?
1: Well, I just think that there is so much goodness out there. People are, people are generally good. And I think we forget that sometimes we, we see sensationalized media of, of maybe the worst out there uh, and we forget, like, like really speak, speak to the people that you, you love, you hold dearest to your heart and, you know, like share, 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 share your worries, share your anxieties. We are all human. We all feel the same way. We've all gone through this experience together. And most of us have very similar stories and experiences on how we're feeling. We're all scared, we're all anxious. Um, And I think the more you talk about your fears and the more you talk about your insecurities and the more you talk about the things you feel shameful about in your life, the more you realize everybody is the same. Maybe not the exact same experience, but we all have those things. We all have fears and anxieties and shame. So share them Share them with people that you hold dear to your heart that you know are you know, going to keep your story personal and to themselves and realize you're never alone. Everybody has the same kind of anxieties and fears.
0: I love that. Thank you for that uh What's the one thing that you do on a daily basis that amplifies your ability to stay focused?
1: Well, I am really lucky. I'm very, very good at focusing. I was born with a natural tendency to be uh, slow and focused. However, um, I think the the biggest key I can say is is, when you want to focus, you got to remove all of the distractions, right? Like don't bring like, if I had my cell phone sitting beside me right now and like a kid in the room with me, like I couldn't focus because there's so much stuff to look at, right? So like know, know what you're distracted, you're easily distracted by and clear those out of your space where you're in. That's the best thing to do uh, if you want to focus. Um, And then some things like if you're if you're in a house and there's lots of noise around you, like put on headphones, like clear, clear your space. And if you can't clear your space, do something that can help you really zone in on what you're doing.
0: Very cool. If you could pick up the phone right now and call yourself at 20 years old, what would you tell yourself?
1: Oh at 20 i would tell myself to love myself just the way i am just that i'm i'm already perfect just the way i was right then and to stop worrying so much about how i looked what clothes i was putting on who who i was talking to like just 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 that all that doesn't matter it's just so not important because people, where, what, who we are inside is just so much more important. I think my 20 year old self was very caught up in, am I skinny enough? Am I pretty enough? Am I this and do, do enough? And uh, no, I happen to be heterosexual. So I you knew enough guys interested in me and all that kind of stuff. Um, and the, nonsense, like who cares? Be a good person and and love yourself the way you are now because you know how we look can shift but who we are in our core doesn't doesn't really change
0: amen to that looking back would you change anything
1: um not really i am a product of my experiences uh yeah, like I mean, I could go back and say, "Hey, don't date that. Don't date that one guy. He wasn't worth it. <laughs> don't waste your time those those few months on him." Or, you know, you know that that one friend is going to end up being toxic. So, like little things, maybe. But I feel like all those little things, those maybe few toxic moments in my life or really difficult moments that I've had, have turned around and made my present life so much better and more rich. And I know so much more now. So no, I don't regret anything. Um, And yeah, with barring minor tweaks, I wouldn't change anything.
0: Cool. Uh, What scares you?
1: I am I have a lot of underlying fears. I think after working with coaches and things like that, I think success scared me the most. Because um, if you succeed big, you can fail big. So I think I. Um, but after like drilling it down, I think I was uh, almost more comfortable with failure than I am of success. Because like, like then what do you do? What if you get everything you ever wanted? Then what? <laughs> because then. I have everything I want. And then what if I'm still depressed, unhappy, anxious, scared, fearful. Uh, and then all those things that I thought I needed to not feel that haven't changed anything. Um, but I, I've worked through that now. So I'm not I'm not, as, I'm not scared anymore of success. I want it because I realize that the more successful I am, the more people I can help in my life and touch in my life. And, and that fills me up. Out of that and then i'm always scared about my children <laughs> i feel like that's never ever going to go away
0: i think that is with every single mother every single father every single aunt or uncle out there they're always worried about the kids
1: <laughs> yeah i'm always scared and it's it's hard to balance that uh fear and the 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 desire to push them to, to get out and do things and be themselves and stuff. And also to not save them all the time. And to, to balance having that fear, but still not going in and fixing every problem. And, you know, because that's how we learned, right? All, all of us learned. Our biggest learning moments were in our failures. You know, if you fall down and skin your knee and it hurt, you're gonna say, okay, maybe I got to watch and not, uh, where I'm going. So I don't fall down and skin my knee, right? I mean, that's a minor injury, but like, you know, um, and it's funny because my husband is, is the opposite of me. He's like, clamp down, hold them back. Cause he can't ha- he knows he can't handle if they get hurt. And so um, I'm always telling him, just let them go. Just let them be kids. It's okay. If they do get hurt, like we can kiss them better. Oh, still on there? Still on. Yeah, one more, five more minutes. Go on.
0: Uh, where do you see Health Haven Clinic in the next five years?
1: I would love Health Haven Clinic to just be full. <laughs> That's what I want. I've got four treatment rooms, and I would like all four treatment rooms to have practitioners like seven days a week and patients seven days a week uh, not me personally <laughs> I don't want to treat seven days a week but I would like it to be just full to the brim busy um, and uh, lots of referring inter going on so the acupuncturist is sending patients to me and I'm sending it to them and we're sending it to the massage therapist and just this like really busy happy family going on in that clinic where and um, I want the patients in there to be seeing many people and just having everybody thriving and moving closer towards their their own optimal health.
0: That's awesome. What about you personally?
1: Well, per five years, I'm still young. <laughs> so I'd like to still be practicing um, in five years. i I mean... What I what I really like is just to have a little bit more time and maybe a little bit more financial freedom too. I love traveling. So, I would like to be able to be going on some really cool interesting trips, not just like going to like an all-inclusive place and sitting my butt down on the beach, which is nice, but I'd like to do some like adventure trips with my kids. I like doing all sorts of fun things, so like If I'm going to Costa Rica, I want to be going and zip lining through there and trekking the jungle and stuff like that versus uh, like just the the lazy vacation and to see lots of different parts of the world. I've been lucky to see a lot, but I would like to give that to my kids and my family. So traveling is a huge thing for me.
0: Where can people find more about you?
1: Um, Well, uh, Health Haven is sort of all over the place. (laughs) Um, if you, uh, in our social media is my underscore health underscore Haven, um, that's Facebook and Instagram. Um, we have a healthhavenclinic.com is our website. Um, and then I also have my own personal profiles up in, uh, LinkedIn and all that stuff. So anywhere there, uh, you can find us, um, Haven just, I guess, specify Toronto, if you're going to do a Google, Google search, because I've I've heard there's one in Ottawa, and one in London, England, or something somewhere in England, there's also a health haven. So, um, and yeah, anyway, I'm very open. Um, If anyone wants to just connect, like, personally with me, I've got drjordana at gmail.com is my email and anyone can feel free to email me there doctor being dr and then jordana is j-o-r-d-a-n-n-a don't we forget will- the double end <laughs> because the double end it makes the difference i i have people send it to the single end version of me and those just never reach me <laughs>
0: we will post all your links with the show notes. So people have easy access to you and your content and your, and your practice.
1: Oh, fantastic. And if anyone in the Toronto area, we're always looking for wonderful healthcare practitioners. I'm open to all healthcare practitioners. So uh, my goal is to fill up the clinic. So if you are looking for a place to practice massage or acupuncture, osteopathy, physiotherapy, anything at all, we're very, very open to uh, building our family up.
0: Awesome, uh, any final thoughts?
1: I just want to encourage everyone out there to really strive for health. There is nothing, we, we are all so stressed. We have so, so much pollution, political strife, Uh, natural disaster, like there's just so much in this world that that can be perceived as negative. And I just think having personal health is so important to being able to deal with all that. So both all nutrition, plus working out plus having a any kind of uh, physical health care practitioner where you can go when you are having issues, very important. Don't leave things. Like when your body talks to you and says there's something wrong, listen to it, take care of it right away because things just get worse. And actually the worst part about that is sometimes things get very silent before they get really loud. So if you have a little bit of noise, don't ignore it, get, get, get the help you need and then yeah, be, uh, be in connection no matter what, whether we're isolated or not, talk to people, Uh, make sure you have at least one person in your life who you can share your woes with because it really helps us all feel a lot better just to get it out. Anything stuck inside and festering is just not good.
0: That's awesome. Thank you for that. And thank you for everything that you do. you do offer quite a bit for, you know, for a chiropractic practice. I mean, not too many chiropractors offer all the stuff that you do. So I'm grateful that, that, that you've expanded past just physical stuff and you look at other stuff. We need more of that in this world. So thank you. I
1: agree. And uh, thank you. Thank you for saying that. Um, Yeah, I, I'm just, I'm just super passionate about helping human beings be more healthy and happy and have their best lives possible. And if I can help facilitate that in any way, I, I, I'd rather go beyond the chiropractic um, and 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 touch people that way and empower people to help themselves too. That's a huge thing for me. I don't I don't want somebody having to come see me. For the rest of their lives that's that's never my goal my as as much as having long-term wellness patients is lovely but i want people to to take care of themselves to the point where they don't need me and then i can just you know be someone who helped them along their journey and really from that i will be more rich than any money could ever give me
0: that's amazing That's amazing. Again, I appreciate you for all the stuff that you're doing. This is great. It's absolutely wonderful.
1: Thanks. Well, thank you for interviewing me. This was really fun. I had a great time.
0: Awesome. Uh, Going through hard times is just a test. What you need to know is that when you get out of whatever you're going through, you will be stronger than ever before. And you don't need to go through it alone. Always know that you are not alone. Stay tuned for more real people with amazing stories that are just like yours. Until then, to everyone out there listening, I wish you a good morning, good afternoon, or good night, wherever you may be in this crazy world.